0: Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, over the past week or so, I'm sure many of you have wished other people a Happy New Year or maybe a Blessed New Year. In fact, one of you uh, wished me a Happy New Year as you walked in the door this morning. That's indeed appropriate for us to do at this time of year. However, have you ever stopped to think to yourself, well, this is what I'm saying, but what do I mean by that? In my mind, what does a happy new year look like? Or a blessed new year? What does that look like? Well, you know, from a biblical standpoint, there's not much difference in someone being happy or being blessed. In many ways, the Bible treats these two things as one and the same thing. Take only Psalm 1, for example, which says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Some translations uh, translate it like this. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. We have the same thing here in our reading from Proverbs 8. Here we, um, we have wisdom saying to us, Blessed are those who keep my ways. Then in verse 34, Blessed is the one who listens to me. We could easily translate this as follows. Happy is the one who listens to wisdom. In the Bible, they're essentially one and the same thing. Why is that important for our purpose this morning? Well, this, this from our reading in Proverbs 8, this forms the biblical definition of a happy new year. This is what a blessed new year looks like, following the way of wisdom. As our text says, happy is the man who gets wisdom, or blessed is the woman who gets wisdom. That is the focus of our text this morning, and that brings us to the sermon theme, which is this, blessed is the one who gets wisdom. We have three things we will see in connection with that main theme. First of all, we'll look at wisdom's call. Uh, Secondly, we'll look at wisdom's value. And finally, wisdom's ancient history. So, our theme for this morning's sermon, Blessed is the one who gets wisdom. But having said that, we must understand that wisdom is not automatic for us. We are not born with wisdom naturally built into us. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Proverbs 22 verse 15 says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. That is to say that foolishness, not wisdom, comes naturally to us. I'm sure parents among us with young children will see that that is the case. <clears throat> Foolishness is tied up tightly in the heart of a child. And this is especially true because of what true wisdom is. The very first chapter of Proverbs defines wisdom for us. There it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's the main theme of the book of Proverbs and all the wisdom literature found in the Bible. We sang about it in Psalm 19, the fear of the Lord is wisdom's source. And Proverbs 8 expands on this when it says, it defines the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. That is true wisdom. The problem is, this is the very wisdom not in us by nature. As we confess in Lord's Day 2, I'm inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor and to love sin. So what does that mean for all of us here? means we can't sit passively waiting for wisdom to come to us. Instead, we need to pursue it, to gain it, to develop it. We need to learn to love true wisdom, to put it into practice. And that is the very reason that Proverbs 8 is also written the way it is with a strong call coming from wisdom. Throughout this chapter, wisdom is personified as a a woman calling out to everyone. Listen to the call she gives. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man, O simple ones, learn prudence, O fools, learn sense. Notice in these words that wisdom's call goes out to everyone everywhere. Wisdom is not hiding in a in a cave or crevice, whispering only to a few select people. Instead, she's described as standing on a high place. Everyone can see her as she's calling to everyone who passes by. Wisdom is also described as standing at the crossroads. Why is that? It's because it doesn't matter where you're from or where you're going. Wisdom is calling to you. Then we hear wisdom calling at the gate of the city. She's not hiding away uh, in a back alley somewhere. No, she's right where everyone can see her, calling to them. Everyone who goes in or goes out of the city hears her voice. It doesn't matter where you live, if you're country folk or city folk, it doesn't matter. Wisdom is calling you. So, what does that mean? For all of us sitting here this morning, what well, means from the very youngest here to the children to the very oldest? This call of wisdom is coming to you. It's never too early to start gaining wisdom. In fact, the earlier, the better. There also never comes a time when you can stop pursuing wisdom. We are to seek it right to the very end of our days. So wisdom calls to women and to men, to boys and girls, to children and grandparents, to Canadians and Americans, or whatever nationality you are, to white people and black people, or whatever color your skin is. It calls to the rich And to the poor, it calls out. To the popular and to the outcast, it doesn't matter who you are. Wisdom is calling to you. So, as you sit here this morning listening to this message, understand this is a message for you as an individual. It's not just wisdom personified as a woman, but God is calling you. Get wisdom. Gain understanding, develop the fear of the Lord. There's anything you do in life. Get this. And notice from this uh, chapter that wisdom does not call out in vain. Listen to verse 17. I, it's wisdom, love those who love me and those who seek me diligently. Find me. What's the promise here? The promise is that if you pursue wisdom according to God's word, you will find it. You will gain it. Wisdom is not going to play hard to get, concealing herself away. Don't need to scratch your head wondering where to find it. It's right here in the Bible, in God's word. And so any one of you who fails to get wisdom will only have yourself to blame. Remember, no, wisdom is not automatic. There is work involved. You're not going to gain wisdom by playing games on your phone all day. You're not going to gain wisdom by... You are going to gain wisdom by actively mining the page's of Proverbs. You know, there are nuggets of wisdom to be gained page after page. And so you need to place gaining wisdom on your daily routine. You know, if you look at the book of Proverbs, it's not very long. Just give me one moment. Well, this is the entire Bible, but the book of Proverbs is only that thick, right? It's not very long when you look at it. And it's right there. You don't need even need to study it all at once. Meditating on a few Proverbs at a time has a great practice to do. Or another way to do this is to get a Bible app on your phone. Get one that reads Scripture to you. You can listen to the book of Proverbs while you're driving in your car. You see, it's calls out to us because so much of life is spoken of in this book. There's wisdom about money, wisdom for relationships, wisdom about speech, wisdom about work, wisdom about making plans, wisdom about our relationship with God, again, over and over. In other words, wisdom for all of life is right here. Come and get it. That brings us to our second point. So this morning, wisdom calls to each of you listening to this message. And as you hear that call, you must understand this: this is not just another voice in the world trying to sell you some kind of useless junk. No, this is not some snake oil salesman trying to uh, yeah, sell you something that's not valuable. Wisdom's call is the most valuable thing in the world. Biblical wisdom is the most valuable thing in the world. Listen to how wisdom describes yourself here. Notice, first of all, wisdom's integrity. Listen, for I will speak noble things. From my lips comes what is right. From my mouth will ut- for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. That is to say, true biblical wisdom speaks only what is right and true and good. And for biblical wisdom, speaking what is evil or false or foolish is, it says it's an abomination, it's like eating rotten eggs. Just can't do it. So what you find in Proverbs are only words of integrity that can be trusted. And if you follow biblical wisdom, you will never end up saying to yourself, oh no, I've been duped. I've been taken in by some elaborate hoax. That will never happen. Biblical wisdom is supremely valuable. Listen to how this is described in this chapter. Wisdom calls out, "Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold and my yield than choice is silver." No, I don't know how else to describe this to get the message across. Maybe I can just say it like this. Wisdom is very, 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 valuable. Now, I know any English majors are probably cringing when I say that. That's what you're told not to do. But I want, to, want it to stick in your brain how valuable wisdom is. The question for you is, do you really believe it? your actions show that you believe that wisdom, this wisdom, is valuable? See, there are, I would say, three responses to uh, this description of wisdom's value here in our text. The first response is that you don't believe wisdom is valuable, according to the Bible, and so you don't pursue it. That would be disastrous. Listen only to the last words of our text. He who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Those are strong words. If you love death, then by all means, ignore biblical wisdom. That's where sin ultimately leads. The second response is to believe wisdom's value and then pursue it. That's the right response. Listen again to the end of our text. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. If you love life, pursue biblical wisdom. True life comes from it. Then there's the third response. The third response is to know in your mind that, yes, this wisdom is valuable. But then you aren't moved to action. You don't do what you can to gain it. And that is what we would call a tragedy. In our world that's full of apathy, I fear that some of you might walk that tragic road to know in your mind biblical wisdom is valuable but you don't do anything about it you don't do what you can to gain it now when i think of these responses i also want to impress this particularly on some of our younger members Although everyone is called to gain wisdom, the book of Proverbs is aimed largely at the youth. Don't become a statistic. Don't ignore this wisdom in God's Word to your own hurt. You are in such a formative time of your life. And so right now you're setting your life on a particular path. The way of folly or the way of wisdom. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So one author put it, Now is the time to train yourself to become the person that will thrive in life. Don't believe that lie that says, Well, now is my time to embrace sin and foolishness, and I'll get my life together later on. No. Don't believe the lie that says, I'm young and I'm not hurting anyone. I can just do what I want. No. You need to understand that the choices you make in life have consequences, many that last the rest of your life. How do you want your life to go? Will you ignore wisdom to your own hurt, or will you gain it for your own benefit? And in order to drive this message home, to see wisdom's value, we should see wisdom's value in our Lord. Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus. You know, some things Proverbs speaks about, says about wisdom are so clearly seen in the life of our Savior. Listen to what Proverbs 3 says. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And those words are also echoed in Proverbs 8. Whoever finds wisdom finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. These words are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2 in the New Testament mentions it twice in connection with Jesus when he was just a boy growing up. Luke 2 verse 40 says, "...the child Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom." And the favor of God was upon him. Luke 2, verse 52, likewise says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And Jesus continued to grow in wisdom and walk the path of wisdom his entire life long. And by doing this, he also fulfilled the words of Proverbs 8 from our, our reading, which say. By me, wisdom, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, wisdom, princes rule, and nobles all who govern justly. Right? The fear of the Lord is at the heart of wisdom. And this was the very thing in the heart of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 11 prophesies about the coming Savior, King, the Messiah, and it says of him, he His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So prophesying about the coming king, Jesus Christ, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. That is to say, he shall be supremely wise. The most wise king. The Lord Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord his whole life long, even going to the cross because of it. And that is why God the Father made Jesus the eternal king at his right hand. By me, wisdom, kings rule, says Proverbs 8. That is ultimately true in Jesus Christ. And as Proverbs 8 says, whoever finds wisdom finds life. That's true in Christ. He walked the way of wisdom his whole life long. And so, though he was crucified, he was raised again from the dead, the righteous one, the ultimately wise person who feared the Lord. He gained life, eternal life. The good news is that he not only did that for himself, but he did that for you. you now, when you read through the book of Proverbs, maybe you find it a bit discouraging. Also because it can highlight your own sin and your own foolishness at times in your own struggle uh, to live wisely in this world. But this is where the good news of Jesus' wisdom comes in. He is our King, and He is our righteousness. He gained life for Himself, and He gained it also for us. Listen to how 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 puts it, Christ Jesus has become to us wisdom from God, That is our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ, by living the perfect life of wisdom, benefited himself and us, his people, who believe in him. By his perfect life of wisdom, he overcame death for himself and for us. By his perfect life of wisdom, he is our righteousness before God. So that God can see us as he sees his own son. And that shows us also the value of wisdom. Benefits not only us, but those around us. And so, after finding our righteousness in Christ, we aim to walk in the way of wisdom. By walking its path, you will likewise benefit your own life and the lives of others around you. That brings us to our last point. After describing wisdom's value, Proverbs 8 then makes a switch. Verses 22 to 31 gives a delightful description about wisdom and the creation of the world. Here's just a sampling from those verses uh, where it says, "'The Lord possessed me, that is, wisdom.'" at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up before the beginning of the earth, before the mountains had been shaped, I was brought forth. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he marked down the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. Now, some have pointed out that language describing wisdom in this section sounds a lot like language used to describe the Son of God. After all, the Son of God is before the creation of the world, and He is the agent through whom God created the world. He is the one in whom God the Father delights. So, some have wondered if these verses really describe the Son of God. In some ways, that's true, but not directly. Rather, true wisdom is in God, and that wisdom has always been there from eternity. It's existed before the creation of the world, and it's the same pure wisdom found in God the Son. And so it's no wonder that both wisdom here and God the Son are described in similar ways. But What's more important for our purposes this morning is this— This section tells us that wisdom described for us in the book of Proverbs is older than creation itself. And not only that, but the beauty of God's wisdom is displayed so clearly in this creation. Just look around you. Look at the beautiful day we're having today. The sun is shining. It's wonderful. God's design. Take just also the human body, it's all its complex uh, functions. Take the miracle of human eyesight, incredibly complex and wonderful. Light pat first passes through the cornea, just curved in the right way to help focus the light at the back of our eye. The pupil, the dark spot in the center of your eyes, the opening through which light enters the interior of the eyeball. The iris controls the pupil, determining how much light enters through it. Light then passes through the lens and hits the retina at the back of your eyeball. Now the retina, a constant and complex chemical reaction occurs to send signals via the optic nerve to the brain, which then interprets the signals as eyesight. Now I'm sure my own scientific explanation of eyesight is... Severely lacking in some ways. But I think you get the idea. Eyesight is phenomenally complex. It's also beautiful. It so clearly shows the wisdom of God on display in creation. It's just one example. We could go on and on. God's creation is saturated with His wisdom displays wisdom from God and if all creation displays such marvelous wisdom from Him don't you think the Creator knows how life works best in creation? Don't you think the wisdom described by God in this book is worth following? It's the same wisdom as displayed all around us. Think of it this way. Think of a complex piece of machinery, maybe a sports car, maybe an excavator, maybe an airplane. Think of how much engineering went into making those machines. The engineers spend countless hours fine-tuning those machines so that they work just right. They know how the machines work best. That's why they give instructions on how to operate it correctly. But now think of someone who purchases a brand new Ferrari who says to himself, you know what, I don't care what the engineers say. I'm going to operate this way the way that I want, this thing the way I want to. Change the motor oil every 5,000 kilometers. Forget it. 500,000 kilometers is enough. I'm not supposed to drive backwards on the freeway. Forget it. That's what I want to do. Besides, I want to take my Ferrari off-road. That sounds like a lot more fun. And when someone operates a Ferrari like that, we all know what's going to happen. That person is going to destroy his sports car. And the engineers would say to him, what are you doing? We didn't design this car to go off-roading. You just ruined a beautiful Ferrari. It's because you ignored our instructions. Beloved, God has designed life. He's engineered it so intricately. He used incredible wisdom to create the world. Doesn't the one who created the world know wisdom? Doesn't he know how life works best? He has shown us how life works in his word. Just take the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. He's given us wisdom in this book. Read it, study it, put it into practice. And remember the final call from our text. A person who fails to find wisdom only injures himself. Right? We will only do, our har- do us harm if we ignore it. But on the other hand, there's that promise. Blessed are those who keep wisdom's ways. Blessed is the one who listens to wisdom. For whoever finds wisdom finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Amen.